part of the reason why I even chased this career is because I wanted to see history. And that was, that was a great desire of mine. I was, I was curious. And I've, you know, through the job, I've, I've seen the lives of millions and millions of people change in front of me. Hi, guys. David Schwab here. Welcome back to Beyond High Street. Today's guest is Bill Hemmer. You know Bill from the tube. Now with Fox News, formerly of CNN, he's been on your TV for 25-plus years, except for that one-year sabbatical he took in his 20s when he backpacked around the world. We talk about the importance of travel and cultural experiences that one gets uh, during this pod conversation. We also touch on the importance of curiosity and how that word is so important to him, how it's driven his entire career and helps him in his daily learning to stay fresh. We talk about the word trust, especially in today's challenged times for all corporations and certainly the media industry that he lives in, but how to have trust with your colleagues, but also your audience, the people you're interacting with every day. We get into some great stories about his junior year in Luxembourg and how important his time in the Luxembourg program in Miami was to him um, and how it's actually set him off on a great business career. He's heading over to Luxembourg in a few weeks. Uh, with some other alumni to talk to the students that are there. He shares some tips for students and anybody that is in the workforce right now. And we begin the conversation when he was embedded uh, with the troops and the importance of that when he was over in Iraq and Afghanistan a few decades ago. Thanks for listening. In November and December of 2001, we took a few few trucks from Quetta, Pakistan, across the Afghan border, and we rolled into Kandahar, Afghanistan. And this is the very early stages of the war on terror, and we were part of the very first footprint uh, to be established in southern Afghanistan. And we reported for several weeks from the airport there, and we are living with the best that the U.S. military has. They are the best of the Green Berets, and the best of the Army Rangers, and the best of the United States Marines. And the man who was running the show then was James Mattis. And he was a man that um, refused interviews week after week after week. He said, go talk to the men. And this is a very sensitive time for a new phase in American foreign policy. This was when the detainees were just arriving at the Kandobahar Air Base before the establishment of Guantanamo Bay, Gitmo, in Cuba. So that was um, that leaves quite an impression when you wake and you sleep with men and women in the U.S. military and you get to know them as fathers and sons and mothers and sisters and brothers and not just as a person wearing a uniform but a person who is a human being who has their own their own lives and their own set of dedicated values to the country and to the cause. It leaves an impression for a lifetime. How long were you over there for? Weeks. I want to say we arrived early December, came home first part of January. So that was the first, that, that was Afghanistan and that war got underway and it took the form that it did that we are in many ways still fighting today. Hmm. And, I, and with your reporting and, and covering, I mean, you've, you've been through the last 20 years 
many, unfortunately, natural disasters or human tragedies or life stories that have put you on the road and embedded maybe is the wrong word, but at the scene for, for weeks on end uh, throughout the world. Yeah, between Fox News, I've been here 12 years, 13, yeah. and I was at CNN for 10 years prior to that. And I, part of the reason why I even chased this career is because I wanted to see history. And that was, that was a great desire of mine. I was, I was curious. And I, you know, through the job, I've, I've seen the lives of millions and millions of people change in front of me. And it's, um, it's a responsibility and a duty you have to stand in front of a camera or stand in front of a monitor and hope that the people who are watching and listening on the other side trust the words that come out of your mouth. And that's, um, that's, that's, a, that's a responsibility I take seriously. I'm gonna, I want to get back to, you had two great words in there that I want to touch on in a second in, in the curiosity and trust. But in those 20 years of wanting to see history and you, you shared your, uh, you can hear it in your voice, just what it meant to be with military men and women, who other, uh, in just in people that you've been inspired by, um, that you've covered or interviewed or had to learn as as you've gone around to experience and be part of this history? I would start with my mom and dad. Uh, they they clearly had the greatest influence on you know a young man is you know growing up. Um, but I also think that. Um, one event that changed my life substantially was through my university, and that was the European Center in Luxembourg. And I, I took advantage of that opportunity to, to go to Luxembourg for six months in my junior year. And, uh, you know, this is a kid from the west side of Cincinnati, never had a passport before. I, I don't know how many of my classmates did, probably not many. But, you you know, you pull up in, a, in this intimate tiny little burg in Central Europe and you live with a family and you're suddenly immersed and you have a train ticket that allows you to go five hours or six hours in any direction you want, north, south, east, or west every weekend or sometimes <laughs> sometimes even Tuesday afternoons uh, to, um, to explore uh, a part of the world that you've never had the experience before. You know, Paris or Amsterdam or Munich or Brussels or Normandy or parts beyond that, you know, south of France, Greece, Italy. And for me, it was, it was just an enormous eye-opener because it, it changed my life. I had a certain curiosity to see other places and faces and get to know them and their history. And that was the establishment of it. And what that did was that, for me anyway, it, it fueled a greater curiosity to see what else is out there. And so when I returned to Oxford and eventually Cincinnati, Ohio, my, my grand ambition was to see as much as I possibly could. Um, so when it, when it came time to <clears throat> take the $15,000 I'd saved up in my bank account, uh, I quit a job in Cincinnati that I worked a long time to get and um, backpacked around the world for a year. It was mostly third world travel. Um, these were emerging markets before they are the markets they are today. That's China and Vietnam and Nepal and India, uh, the Middle East, Eastern Europe and Russia. 
and it, it changed my life yet again. But, but all of that started because of my university and because of the Luxembourg program, a Luxembourg program that by the way, in October celebrates its 50 year anniversary and I'm getting on a plane in three weeks and I'm going to go over there and I can't wait. That's awesome. And so what happens when you go over in three weeks? Is a bunch of kids over there right now, students over there right yeah. now? Yeah, yeah. the school, I'm certain, you know, they at the time, they, they took 100 kids a year, 100 students a year. But they, they set up a week uh, of events um, to mark the 50-year anniversary. So I'll see a lot of former classmates, I'll see a few teachers, and just get reacquainted with a place that I consider really just intimate and and cool and having a substantial impact on my life. Hmm. And are there are there students? Everyone I've talked to, there's probably, I bet, twenty percent of the people I've had on the pod went to Lux, and everybody talks about that. When you start talking Miami, it's the first thing out of their mouths of cultural experience, new people experience. Is that right? Languages. It's incredible how many people come back to talk about it. And, and they talk about it in the same way I hear people talk about getting their MBA. They're still like lifelong friends. They've done business together with or they've stayed in touch with because they had an experience that's very different than others have had uh, just if you're in a four-year school. That's interesting. I, that, that's, very, that's very cool to hear that. 20% of the people you've done this podcast with had the luck experience. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. That's great. Yeah. Listen, I give it my highest, highest recommendation. Even today when I meet with Miami students, whether they're freshmen or sophomore, I just, you know, or, or maybe they're in high school and they have plans to go to Miami. I said, make sure you check out that program. Because I think there's a tendency now to study Mandarin or to go to China um, or Shanghai, which I, I, I understand it. Um, but the Luxembourg program is very special. And when you saved the $15,000, I imagine, out of your first job or first or second job and you went backpacking, what, when you went, what were you thinking what was going to happen six months or a year later when you came back? Or did you think you might even stay somewhere? I was gone for about a year. Okay. And prior to leaving, my, I was a sports reporter, and I love sports, but I did not want to do it for the rest of my life. And my boss offered me a job. And my calculation was, man, I kind of put in all this time. Why throw it all away? And he offered me a job to come back and work at WCPO Channel 9 in Cincinnati. And my feeling was, well, what happens if something goes wrong? (laughs) Have I just thrown away all this? And uh, so we agreed to a contract under one stipulation. Uh, I could work in the news department instead of sports, and um, and he agreed to that. So after after being away for ten months, you come back and um, uh, start covering city council and court cases and how the county works and how the state works. And for me at the time, I found it to be rather tedious work, um, school lotteries and gas prices. But it laid a foundation for a couple of years for information that I, I that I needed to have in order to get to the next job. Mm-hmm. And the next job, you know, came by way of hiring an agent out of New York and uh, getting an audition at CNN in Atlanta. And the reason I, I, I would I would draw a thread between everything I just told you as a lesson to so many others that you know what you do and what you experience 
builds this tapestry for your for your not just your resume, but for an avenue or a path for you to go to the next place. So without Lux, you don't back back around the world for a year. And without Channel 9, you're not a sports reporter who's trying to figure out how to come up with images in your head and um, ad-lib and talk at great length uh, with very little information. So when all that comes together in a resume and your own personal experience and you do the audition for CNN and you're able to handle breaking news, you're the guy that they want to hire. So all those pieces were put in place, unforeseen, had no idea, um, but it worked out that way. Yeah, and and you talked about trust, speaking of news, and we live it every day in every industry, I think, out there right now is challenged by trust and transparency and, you know, at Octagon in the sports entertainment space, there's agents and lawyers and, and those two uh, disciplines have always been uh, questions, I don't know if it's the right word, but um, th- there are industries where people have opinions on either sides, and news yeah. like corporate CEOes no different right now. What's what's your, I guess, general opinion on ha- how the news world has changed in the last five years, and yeah. how that affects kind of what you have to do every day? What I think is, you know, preparation is your best defense for everything, and you have to do the work. You have to read, um, you have to scan, you have to stay in contact. I will never trust information from another person unless I've been able to see it myself. Mm. I, I have full edit power on everything that happens in, uh, in our broadcast every day. I refuse to read anything cold. You know, I have to see it in the computer first. I have to have a chance to get, have to have a chance to go through it because when we are on the we're the last opportunity to make sure that we get it right, and it's really really important to me. Uh, we've got great writers and great editors and great staff people, but when you're the anchor, you're the reporter. You're the last line of defense for the facts, and I. I it's really important that you um, that you look at it that way. And in a in a hyper partisan cable news environment, I I've always preferred the news side of it. I I have my own opinions, but I don't form them uh, the way that some other effective communicators do. And I really don't have much interest in in pursuing that that angle of the business. I, I think that there will always be room for people who report the news. Mm-hmm. And uh, to hold on to that and to not have a taint um, is is a priority for me. And, and besides the the partisan that you talked about, kind of the world we live now, is it was social media that was that the fundamental change, the technology that allowed, uh, reporting and or opinion to take place 24 hours a day versus... A little bit, a little bit, but the Internet kind of did that in the first place. Yeah. Um, look, when I, when I used to show up for work at CNN in Atlanta, you waited for the newspapers to show up, and I know that sounds archaic right now, but that's, that's kind of the way things were. What's on the front page of the New York Times? 
What's on the front page of the Washington Post, the LA Times, back then USA Today was important. There were only four sources for news outside of C-SPAN. It was CNN, ABC, NBC, and CBS. So that's before MSNBC, and that's before Fox came on the air. Um, Has social media contributed to, what, the dissemination of news? I... To a degree it has. It's also gotten a lot of people in trouble because they're a little too loose with their words and they hit send before they think twice about it. Um, There's a real danger in doing that and bringing a lot of um, unwanted attention toward yourself. How do you you use it? Well, I use it as a news feed, especially Twitter. Uh, I'm on TweetDeck all day long, iPhone, laptop, and desktop. And I use it because I want to see what's going on with the different news outlets, what they're reporting, et cetera. I think the danger to that is that we seem to find ourselves all in the same echo chamber. Right. And it's, it's a bad place to be, and it's not a place I highly recommend. And um, I, I encourage people, you know, watch as much as you can. Read as many different sources as you can and come to your own conclusions. You, you talk about learning and curiosity before. How how do you learn not 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 to be fully prepped for the next story that you're going to report on, but just to, to keep you fresh in life and just personal passions? Is there a subject matter that you study and pay attention to? Is it continued reading of material? What, what keeps you fresh and thinking? Well, yeah, great, great question. Um, I'll give you a long answer. Interrupt me if I'm getting too long here, but I think the people who are the most successful in the industry have the most curious mind. Because even if you're given a story that you think somewhat innocuous on the surface, going back to those news days at Channel 9, WCPO in Cincinnati, here's what I found. I found if, you know, whatever the story is, if you have a curious mind, you'll peel back the next layer and the next layer and the next layer. Now you start to find stuff and learn about things that you probably did not even consider when you were given the assignment. So in my experience, when I would go out at night or go to the bar and have a couple beers with the friends or family, and I'd say, hey, you're not going to believe what I covered today. And even though at 8 o'clock that morning, I might have thought it was not that big of a deal, once I started telling the story to friends or family, I found that they were interested. And I thought, that's, that's, that's kind of the secret sauce. And that's, that's where the magic clicked in my head. If, if I can get them interested, I'm probably, on, I'm probably going in the right direction for something that's going to keep me curious for a long time. You know, my, my dad sold mattresses for 35 years, and I knew growing up, man, I'm going to have to have 30 or 40 years of work. And if that's the case, I better find something that keeps my mind interested first. And if you are mentally engaged in anything you do, you will find you keep coming back to it every day. Now, listen, if, uh, are there, there are a couple stories that I don't find that interesting? Sure. But there's so many others that you know, it's really up to your own level of curiosity to dive deeper, to figure it out. We're going through a midterm election right now, and I just came out of a meeting of graphics. And we're trying to, we're trying to our best to figure out how to show how there's 435 House seats and 100 Senate seats, well, 33 Senate seats or whatever the number is, but trying to figure out how we can take all these numbers and all this geography and make sense of it so that the viewer can follow along. And I know the other networks are challenged by it, too, because we're doing something 
that we really haven't done before, and that is who's going to control Congress. The outcome of that is very significant for what we're uh, for the policies of this administration and and going forward. And that's just that's just one small example of how I'm very much engaged and still curious in the next story and the next story after that. And who knows what can happen after that. Um, and, and I know you went back to Oxford a few years ago to be the commencement speaker at the Farmer School, and you're going to Luxembourg here in a few weeks. What, what's the message you're going to tell these freshmen to senior about the experience to live in Oxford or at Oxford over those four years, what to take advantage of, and, and what to be thinking about as they start off in a business career, but also just trying to be a good person and one day have a family and personal and uh, professional success? Well, big question, heady question. I, I try and keep that simple. I always tell people, take, take the high road. Um, it will not let you down. Um, and I think if you live by that principle, you're going to be okay in just about every area of your life. Uh, with regard to the students in Luxembourg, I tell them they're doing exactly the right thing and taking advantage of a great opportunity to expand their own personal world, mentally, personally, physically, etc. Um, that's, that's really important. I think the business world is, it's, it, it offers its own challenges, but I think in any setting, if you can, if you can get your foot in the door and allow people to get to know you and if you are available if you ask questions and if you play well with others when those entry level jobs become available when you're a graduating senior they'll they'll reach for the people they're familiar with and that's that's where you step in and take advantage of a great opportunity and you start to build your own career and I that, I would that would be my advice thank you bill for taking the time geez just before midterms busy out there doing your reporting every day, but really appreciate it. Gave some great wisdom on social media, the importance of being prepared, trust, and I love the word of curiosity. Thanks again, Bill, for taking the time. Thank you all for listening to the pod. Please share with friends and family and colleagues. Hope to see you for Beard Skippers real soon. Take care.